0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Awesome. Thank you, Church. You can take your seats. Thanks, team. will get you back up in a moment. It's awesome. Thanks for coming out tonight. It's great to have you here as uh, Tony mentioned, we are going to continue our series Insta Fam, and uh, I want to encourage—if you actually missed this morning, then make sure you go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to that, watch this morning's uh, message because it's a great foundation with what uh, Tony shared about. There's no picture-perfect family. And I felt even as he was preaching this morning that there was condemnation being lifted off people's lives. I felt people were being set free from the condemnations of where they failed, of where their picture may be cracked, where their picture feels like it's been destroyed. And the last point where Tony just said that nothing is beyond being repaired. And I just felt that there was a hope and a life being breathed into people's circumstances and situations. And we just want you to know, church, wherever you you find yourself, it's not the end. It doesn't matter in a sense some of the decisions that have already been made. You will live in the consequences of them, we get it. But you don't have to be dictated for. They don't have to dictate the rest of your life. That can be a comma that says, hey, that is what was. But from now on, this is what it's going to be. And that's really the premise behind this InstaFam series, that we are to live a life without filter, not being like the Instagram stories that we post, only the good photos, only the good things. But let's be real. Let's say this is what it is. But how can we as a church equip and encourage you and inspire you to put the word of God into practice to acknowledge what's gone ahead and uh, of you and what's gone behind but saying actually that's not going to define me that's not going to dictate to me that's not gonna stop me and so that's um part of the premise of what we're doing this series for uh today as Tony mentioned it's a four-part series it'll be over the next two weeks so commit Come next Sunday morning, come next Sunday night, because I believe there'll be something for everyone. And this morning, Tony shared a a family photo uh, of, well, actually, it was just a photo of him and I, an old photo. You know those photos you take, and then you go, what were we thinking? And everyone seemed to enjoy it. So I thought, I'm not going to be outdone by Tony. So I've got one of those photos tonight. You'll see up behind me, I think the team are going to show it. Again, it's one of those, what were you thinking? And uh, that actually, that isn't our everyday, that wasn't our nightclub attire, okay? We didn't go out like that. That actually is a wedding. I was a bridesmaid. I am one of those 27 bridesmaids. I've got all the dresses still. And uh, you know how many people tried to sit on me because I looked like a lounge suite or tried to uh, close me because I looked like curtains? But anyway, what were we thinking? I'm not sure. <laughs> but that uh, is just one of those things that thank God life moves on and we're not dictated to by that sudden snap, that pinpoint in time right here right now doesn't have to define us i'm glad that that is no longer in my wardrobe and i never have to actually wear it again so which is cool but um one of the premise behind this is we said that a picture paints a thousand words but it's not necessarily telling us the full story. And up behind me at the moment, the team are going to put a photo of our gorgeous son, Mitch. This is Mitch. When he was about four, I think, and he was asked by one of our congregation members if he would like to be a page boy in their wedding. And he's so cute. Look at him. He's got the little leg kick and he's got that smile that says, I know, girls, I know you're looking at me. And what you have to know about this picture is that The whole day did not look like that. Now, Mitchie was asked if he would like to be a page boy at this particular wedding. So we gave him the opportunity. We said to him, Mitch, this is what would like to happen. This is what you have to do. You have a choice. And so he said, yes, I would love to do that. So we said, great. So they came and he did the suit fitting, had all that. The wedding day came. He got dressed up. And you know how it goes. All the guys go to the groom's house and they have photos with the family, photos with the boys. Mitchy got to get into, the, they had a open a Cadillac kind of car. So Mitchy got to drive in this car. He thought it was great. He got to the church as everybody was getting ready. The bride's still not here. And suddenly Mitchy disappears. So I'm looking for Mitch, and he's in the bathroom stripping off because he's done. Like, that's it. He's finished. And I'm like, dude, put your clothes back on. You're only halfway through. And he's like, no, no, I'm done. And I got down on his level. I got him by his T-shirt or shirt, whatever he had on. I brought him up close and personal. And I said, Mitchie Rainbow, you are a rainbow. And when a rainbow says something, they are going to finish what they do. Now, you can put the suit on by yourself or I will put you in that suit. But you will get in that suit. You will put a smile on your face. You will pick up that ring cushion and you will walk down that aisle with a smile. And then we got the photo. (laughs) A picture paints a thousand words, but it doesn't necessarily tell you the whole story. Now, you would have thought we would have learned our lessons, but I have another photo up here of another one of our family members. Isn't she adorable? That's our little Bailey J. She probably was about three, I think. Um, and her and Eli Roberts, they actually for years thought they were married until they realized, no, they were just bridesmaids, uh, what do you call it, flower girl and page boy. Same deal, Bailey sat there, put the pretty dress on, you um, could see her spinning around enjoying the day at the bride's house, got her hair done, had her little flowers, did whatever, walked down the aisle, there's dad videotaping her and you know when it came to the park to have all those wonderful let's get the bridal party together, there is not one photo of Bailey with the bridal party because she had a speck that just said, I'm done, I don't care, I'm not doing this anymore. And every other photo she's either screaming, crying, pulling her hair out, a picture paints a thousand words, but it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. And tonight I want to be able to talk about in the context of marriage, and my, my title of my uh, <laughs> the title of my message tonight is Happily Ever. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, happily ever after. It's awesome. Now, I know in this room, I just said say it once. I didn't say now have a whole conversation. All right, back to me. Come on. Now, I'm aware that in this room, there is a plethora of scenarios and situations and circumstances that are sitting here. I know that there are some very long-term, happily married couples who are loving life and to that we salute you and we encourage by you and we're looking to what you're doing and learning from you. I'm also aware that there are some people with some real pain. Either past, you've had marriage failure and that pain is present or you're potentially sitting in a marriage that isn't all that it should be. And I just want you to know that this is not about condemning you This is not about shaming you. This is about helping you. And that for wherever you find yourself, you would understand and know that you wouldn't want anyone to experience the pain that you are walking through right now. And that you don't have to continue in that pain. That whatever, if you have to walk into your second marriage, your third marriage, your fourth marriage, whatever it is, it's the last one. And that you'll do what's necessary to make it better. So this is about helping you, not uh, to be able to make you feel any worse for what has gone past. And that's why we said about this morning, Tony lifting, that just the spirit came and just lifted off condemnation on people. I'm also aware that there are singles in the room. And I think brilliant. You know, it can be so intimidating being up here to speak about marriage because you understand that some of the audience, its not they're not married. So you think, oh, they're going to switch off or dial out. But I'm here to tell you, this is the place, the church is the place that you need to learn about what marriage is, what right marriage is. Because the world is out there spruking what it should be. But it's not about the opinions of the world. I understand there are people here who've seen bad marriages and they have a bad taste in their mouth and they say, if that's what marriage is, I don't want a bar of it. And that breaks my heart because that's not God's thought and for and desire and dream for you. I know there are some people who are sitting here who would do anything to be married. But for life circumstances and situations, have you at a place where that just hasn't come to pass? Again, this is not about bringing pain. This is about we're called to speak the whole truth of God's Word. And if it can help anyone... Would you sit there and listen to it? If it's not specifically for you, will you agree and listen and learn? Because it will help somebody else. It could be helping the person next to you. And I truly believe that some of the principles that I share, that actually apply to every relationship. So it isn't just marriage, but you can apply some of the things that I share tonight to every relationship that you find yourself in. But it saddens me that marriage has such a bad rep. That people, it's the butt of many jokes. And in fact, it reminds me of a story I was reading. And it was about these three men who married wives from different countries. The first man married a woman from China. He told her that she was to do their dishes and house cleaning. It took a couple of days, but he reported on the third day he came home to see a clean house and the dishes washed and put away. The second man married a woman from India. He gave his wife orders that she was to do all the cleaning, the dishes and the cooking. The first day, it says, he didn't see any results. But the next day, he reported he saw it was better. But by the third day, he saw his house was clean, the dishes were done, and there was a huge dinner on the table. The third man married a girl from Australia. He ordered her to keep the house clean, dishes washed, lawn mowed, laundry washed, and hot meals on the table for every meal. He reported the first day he didn't see anything. The second day, he didn't see anything, but by the third day, some of the swelling had gone down, and he could see a little out of his left eye. His arm was healed enough that he could fix himself a sandwich and load the dishwasher himself. (laughs) There are lots of different opinions about how marriage should look, all right? And there's lots of jokes about marriage, but I want to tell you that marriage isn't a joke. I love being married. Now, can I say this? I'm not the perfect wife. I like to think that I am, but I know that I'm not. And I have a husband who reminds me of that because that is his role to do. And I've got kids that remind me I'm not the perfect mum. This is not about perfection. This is about actually I love the institution of marriage and I'm going to applaud it and I'm going to spruik it whenever I can. It doesn't mean that marriage actually is easy. Marriage is actually hard work, and I think that's half of our problem. We just think it's going to be all roses and butterflies and rainbows and all the fun things, but marriage is hard work. But can splash? anything of value in life is hard work. You don't get a really nice bank balance just by going, case sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. It's hard work in saying no to certain things, into putting boundaries, living by budgets. If you want to have a health journey and a fitness improvement, it doesn't just happen. It's a hard work and anything of value is hard work. And there's thousands of opinions on marriage. But I want to remind us tonight that there's only one opinion that really counts and that's God's opinion. And we want to look at what he says. So I'm going to ask if you turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and we're going to read from verses 22 to 30. 3 it Says wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as to you do to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior Now as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything Husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself Up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated their own body, but they fed and cared for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. We can sum up happily ever after in two sentences. Husbands, look at me. Love your wives. Wives, look at me. Respect your husbands. Easy. Amen. Let's go home. Not so easy. Hey, because I don't know about you, but sometimes it's not easy for us to love our wives. And sometimes it's not easy for us to respect our husbands. So I want to quickly share just three simple things that you and I can do that we can have a happily ever after. And I understand marriage is a massive topic and I don't have long. So I just wanted to pick three things that if you could just remember the three things I say, whenever you find yourself in a situation, my prayer is that it will come to your remembrance. You'll be able to act on it and it will help you with your happily ever after. So do you want to know what those three things are? Awesome. Well, the number one is this. You know what? If you want to have a happy ever after, you need to study your spouse. Look at the person next to you and go, study? Study? I mentioned that word and people go, oh, that's right. I mean, all the year 12s are here going, so I've just finished study. I'm not studying anymore. They've done their exams in the years 11s and 10s who are walking into that. Or for many of us who maybe have finished school and have got gone on, study sounds like a whole lot of hard work. But this is what I've discovered, that whatever you and I are passionate about, we will study. How do I know that? You know what? Give a child a new Xbox game. And before you know it, they're studying the, how do I do this? What are the little tricks? What are the little things I've got to do? Give your husband, if he's got an interest in uh, cricket, you give him the form guide. Or, you know, you used to be able to go to the cricket and they'd give you the books you'd buy. And it's got all the stats. When there's a passion for it, they're studying. They know Bradman. Oh, he, he had a career average of 99.8. Is that right? I asked Tony. It's not right. See, if you're passionate about it, you'll study it. And I know that to be true. I know that uh, Tony, we like to do HIIT and cardio. And for Tony's birthday last year, he got one of those, what they call Tabata clocks. It's one of those clocks that does uh, circuits and it counts down. Well, on his 55, it's birthday. He got this. I'm like, let's go have a breakfast. But he's got the little manual, and he's studying because he wants to get. How do I get the this circuit? And then we can do. It. And he's so excited that the next morning he's got me up at 6:30 a.m. Saying, "Hey, this is, oh, this is. what I've learned. We do. We can do 30 seconds sprint. Faster, faster, faster. 10 seconds. Two. And he knew all this. Why? Because he was passionate about that. If you want a happy ever after, here's what you got to do. You got to study your spouse. Verse 22 says, "Wives." Submit to your husband. I love the message. The message says, study and know your husband. In in verse 25, guys, you're not off the hook, when it says about love your wives, the message puts it this way. It goes and says, um, husbands, go out all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a loved marked by giving, not getting. We can't submit and we can't love What it is, we don't know. So you know what? We need to spend time knowing our spouse. And one of the greatest things and the easiest things for us to do is to understand what it is that makes our wives feel loved and our husbands feel feel respected. Because that's what pretty much we said, it summed it up in two. Husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husbands. Done, finished, easy, happy ever after. And one of the books I really, really enjoy is by Gary Chapman. It's The Five Love Languages. I don't know if anyone here has read that book or heard of that book, but it talks about the fact that as human beings, we give and receive love in five different areas, in five different ways. And one of them or two of them will possibly uh, reflect how you feel loved or respected. And it talks about for some of us, acts of service is our love language. We just love the fact If somebody does something for me, if I'm an acts of service person, I feel that that fills up my love tank. There's quality time together. For some people, you can do all the serving you want. That doesn't mean they feel unloved because actually their love language is is, uh, quality time together. So you've got to understand what their love language is. There's physical touch. There is, I knew I'd forget them off the top of my head, I should know them. Um, gifts and words of affirmation. They're the five areas that humans feel that they receive love and that they give love. And you and I have got to be un- understand our partners, what's their love language, and then speak to them in that language. Because we're having all this misconnection connect- and miscommunication because we're actually speaking to them in the wrong language. It's kind of like going to a foreign country. I don't know if I know 2020 none of us have traveled outside of Australia, but in the past when we would travel to another Country, we had to learn the language. Tony and I had the privilege one year of being in France, and I didn't know any French. And someone said to me, All you needed to know was, Vous parlez anglais, which means, Do you speak English? So I thought, great, and we found ourselves lost in the French countryside. So we find a petrol station, and I walk in there. I've got the map, and in confidence, I go up to the travel, uh, the travel person, the person behind the uh, counter, and I'm wanting to point to Paris to say, "How do I get there?" I say, "Vous parlez anglais?" He goes, "No." I'm like, what do you do now? Because I'm like, how do I ask him how to get to Paris? We're not speaking the same language. And if we want to have a happy ever after, you and I need to speak the same language to our spouses. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is to be able to study our spouse, know what their love language is, and then fill up their tank, speak to them in their language, not our own. And I remember this woman telling the story how she was in a restaurant with her husband and she was observing a couple watching. And this old couple, this man was holding this wife's hand and he was whispering in her ear. And the wife turned to her husband and she said, honey, why don't you do that for me? And he looked at her and said, sweetie, I don't even know that woman. You know what? It's not about you. It's about how do I speak in the love language of my spouse. The way to do that is to study your spouse because when you study your spouse, you'll know their language. And When you speak their language, it's the best way for you and I to experience a happy ever after. The second key, not only do we need to study our spouse, but we need to pursue our spouse. You know, Tony often says from this platform, what you did to get the girl is what you need to do to keep the girl. In other words, what it means, all the things that you did in the courting days, if you were interested in someone, what you did to gain their attention is what you need to continue to do to keep the love alive. And it saddens me that we as adults, I mean, what, who remembers the game Chasey as a kid? You're always running around playing Chasey. If you're caught, you're caught. And as we get into adult, we forget to play Chasey. And I think as husbands and wives, we need to continue to play the game Chasey to not ever think that, hey, I'm in the pursuit of my husband. I don't want him to think. Here's the thing. I said at the altar, and he said at the altar, in sickness and in health till death do us part, removing myself from anyone else and committing myself to one person only. Now, if he has committed himself to me and I've committed myself to him, it's really unfair if I then just take the... An attitude that just says, well, lump it or leave it. Dude, you said yes back then. This, that's the way it is. It's too bad, so sad. It's no, no. Keep the spark alive. Pursue them. Keep them interested. You can't say it's me only and then treat them with contempt. You can't say it's me only and then be mean or nasty or not do the things you did at first to create that love that's there. Pursue your partner. One of my favorite sayings is this, an object In possession seldom retains the same charm that it had in pursuit. It's a natural thing that we the desire to wanna gain that, to get that, the chase, to grab them. But that object once we have doesn't keep that same intent once we have it. And you and I as Christian marriages need to keep that at the forefront of our thinking. They say, I'm going to continue to chase my husband. I'm going to continue to chase and pursue my wife because I don't ever want to get to that point where my relationship doesn't have that same intent. When you abandon the chase, you lose interest in your spouse. And just quickly, I wanted to do just a couple of practical things that you and I need to do so that we can keep pursuing our spouse. And just write them down and you can find even more creative ways. But date night. Don't ever stop date night. You dated in the prelude to getting married. When you get married, keep dating. Date your partner. Now, again, it doesn't have to be something expensive. I get that kids come along, that time gets, but make the effort to do date night. If there's one thing COVID has taught us, We might not be able to do the things we used to do, but we can get creative in what we had to do. When we were in lockdown, there were certain things we couldn't go to restaurants. We couldn't do this, but you could still have date night. You can still run a bubble bath. You can still make dinner and just light candles. You could have a picnic on the back lawn. There's so many things that you can do that shows your partner that there's a pursuit of loving and spending time with them. Don't ever... So that money or time or kids, you know what, put the kids to bed early. And if they don't go to bed early, buy a lock and you put it up high enough that you can shut the door, they can't get out. Date night, do what's necessary for you to continue to pursue your partner. Date night, text or call during the day. And not just because, hey, honey, I need you to pick up milk on the way home. Or, hey, honey, I'm saying just text them because you can. Call them because you can. In this day and age nowadays, with all sorts, of we've got texts. You can send photos of yourself smiling at them. That's all I'm going to say. But just fun things that your partner knows you're pursuing them. Not, hey, we've got to do this. Hey, I get it. We know life can get busy, but we're talking about, you want a happy ever after? Till death do us part. I'm going to be with this man for the rest of my life. I want to enjoy the rest of my life. So I'm going to continue to pursue. So text for no reason. Ring for no reason and set aside time just to listen to them. Not just to talk about, oh, now you've got to do this tomorrow and we've got these appointments, do this. But sit across from one each other. Look into their eyes and just say, hey, let's not talk about the kids. got to go to the orthodontist tomorrow. Hey, this bill needs to be paid. Hey, I need the car to be fixed. I need. But sit across each other, look at each other in the eyes and talk about what it is that your concerns are. What's worrying you? What's your dreams? What's your desires? Where, what have you got hopes for in the future? Continue to pursue your spouse and then thirdly protect your spouse. I'm gonna invite the band to come back on up. But men, the scriptures clearly tells us that you are to protect your women physically and emotionally. It says that you're willing to lay down your life for them, just like Christ laid down his life for the church. Your wife should feel safe around you. And I just do want to put a caveat here. If you're in a situation where you are not feeling safe, please come and speak to one of our team. Come and speak to one of our pastors. It's not for you to stay in an unsafe situation. But men, protect your women. Make them feel safe. They should feel safe. And just quickly to the single girls, can I say this? If your partner, boyfriend, the person that you're doing life with at the moment, is pressuring you for sex, then He's not keeping you safe. He's actually not looking after your interests. Christ laid down His life for the church. If He's pressuring you to put out, He's not a man who's going to continue to keep you safe after He will not change. So whatever you do, remember that. His role is to protect you and keep you safe. So if He's pressuring you, it means that He's not after you. He's all about Himself, So it's not about the sex. It's about what he's after and he's about himself. And he will not change after marriage. Men, keep your women safe. And girls, protect his manhood. You need to respect your husband. It said, support him. The scripture in the Passion Translation that I read, says, be devoted to him like you are the Lord. And here's my question to us girls. Do you respect your man like you do the Lord? Would you speak to Jesus the way you speak to your husband? Would you speak to Jesus and act like Jesus the way you're speaking to your husband? Because this is what I've understood, that when a man feels respected, his confidence grows. And I spend my time speaking to a lot of women who say, oh, you don't understand. My man's this or he's that. And I'm like, you know what? I feel that there's a disrespect there. And because of the disrespect, your man is operating in such a way. If you would respect him, I think that his confidence would grow and those desires for him to be able to move on and do what it is, lead the way you want him to lead. He'll lead when you respect him because when you respect him, his confidence grows because you're protecting his manhood. The other question I ask women all the time is, if your girlfriends had never met your husband, what picture would they have of him? Because it's not only respecting him by how you speak to him, respect him by how you speak about him. Your girlfriend should be going, I can't wait to meet this man. He sounds amazing. Not they shouldn't be thinking, oh, what kind of jerk are you married to? No, they should be like, I'm so jealous. I wish that guy was my husband. That's how we respect our man. Remember, there's no perfect marriage, but every one of us can have a healthier, stronger and better marriage. We can have a happy ever after. It's not easy, but oh boy, is it worth it. If you and I would start to study our spouses start pursuing or continue to pursue our spouses and protect our spouses. I love what Tony finished with this morning. He said there's generations inside each and every one of you. And I think one of the major causes of why our marriage rate has gone down, people wanting to be married and the divorce rate going up is because of how we are doing married life. And we have to understand the decisions we make, the lives we live, the the marriages we project are speaking to the world around us. And as a church, We have a responsibility to be able to live a life without filter, to have a happy ever after so that the generations before after us can say, if that's marriage, that's what I want. Hey, my parents may not have made it work. Hey, my history may have been this. But if I see good examples, then faith rises, hope rises, and I get an opportunity to be able to want to have a marriage like that.